This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everybody. The word pray is mentioned 510 times in the Bible. Prayer 128, prayed 65 times. So there are over 700 references to prayer or praying or uh, uh, to pray. So obviously prayer is very important. Uh, the fact it appears so many times throughout our scriptures. Last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer, the sometimes referred to as the model prayer about what we should pray for. Uh, now I don't want to uh, uh, repeat what happened last week because that was very specifically about the Lord's Prayer but we will occasionally look at uh, a couple of aspects of that. But what I would like to do uh, to look at this subject about what we should pray for is look at four different aspects. First of all how we should pray, which was touched on slightly last week, praying for ourselves, praying for others, and also praying for the world. So let's start by thinking about how we should pray. Well, the first thing that we're told about praying is that we should pray in private. If you've got your Bibles in front of you, can you open them please at Matthew 6. Now, this is the introduction to the Lord's Prayer, which we, uh, as I say, we looked at last week. But I think it's worth just getting um, our heads around and thinking about how we should pray, uh, if you like, the, uh, uh, the physical setup that, that, that we need for prayer before we decide on the actual content of the prayer. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Um, Jesus tells his disciples uh, these words. Now I'm, I'm reading this afternoon from the English Standard Version. Please follow whichever version you have in front of you. Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So prayer doesn't have to be public. Now there are occasions when we will make prayer publicly. We've already had it this afternoon. Ian gave an opening prayer and he prayed publicly. But on an individual basis our private prayer is more important because what we can do is that we can actually talk to God in private and God will listen. So when we think about prayer, prayer is something which we can do on our own, we can do with other people, but we can do it, we can do it on our own in private, if you like, it's, it's almost a one-to-one -a 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 -one conversation. The other thing that we're told in the Bible is that we pray through Jesus. Just turn over please to uh, the Gospel of John and chapter 14. If we go down to verse 6 of John chapter 14... Jesus said to him... 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is an important in stage in, in, our, in our process of prayer. And if we go over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, that's also uh, clarified uh, more there. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. And what the writer to Timothy here says is, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So what we can understand from reading our scripture is that when Jesus, who was crucified but raised from the dead on the third day, after 40 days he then ascended to heaven. We can read that in Acts chapter 1. And what Jesus now is doing is he is acting as a mediator so that we can pray through him to our Heavenly Father. Now in the Old Testament, and we'll look at it when we look at praying for ourselves, there was a whole ritual that, that had to be undergone for the people to pray to God. And they had to go through the priests and there was there were sacrifices and there was burning of incense. That's all been done away with now because Christ is our high priest and Christ is our mediator. So when we pray we pray through him to our Heavenly Father. The other thing which we're instructed is pray without ceasing. Just turn over please to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now this is a slightly strange verse because actually it's a long sentence that's been chopped up into about three verses. It starts in verse 16 where Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So say verse 17, he's literally just pray without ceasing. And the thing about prayer is... We may have time for formal prayer, shall we say. Um, it's good practice to pray in the morning, to be thankful for the day ahead of us. It's good to pray in the evening, to reflect on, on the day that we've had. We will pray before food, to uh, offer thanks for the food that's been provided for us. There are lots of opportunities in the, in the day when we pray, in a sort of, and we may think of that being more formal. But the thing about prayer is that we can do it anywhere. And we should do it anywhere. We should constantly be thinking about God. And we should be constantly remembering God and talking to God and asking for his help. Which brings us on to the second uh, point of looking at what we should pray for. So, praying for ourselves. So, what should we be praying for if we pray for ourselves? Well, the first thing I want to look at is forgiveness. Now I said that in the Old Testament there was a, a, a system set up. And if you just come to Leviticus chapter uh, 6, we can, we can see this. This was under the, the law of Moses. There was a, um, a, a system of, of uh, worship that was set up whereby when the people disobeyed God, when the people sinned, and what sinning is, is it just means doing your own thing and not doing what's pleasing to God. 
and we all do it we're all human we all do it we all tend to do uh, our, our own thing and and, and, uh, and and sometimes not things that please God and when people realized that when they thought about it and realized I have done wrong they had to go to the uh, the priest and the priest would offer a uh, uh, um, a sacrifice or a prayer Le- uh, Leviticus chapter 6 verse 7 uh, and again, this is, at, this is at the end of a, it starts at verse 1, but just picking up, up verse 7. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any things that one may do, and thereby become guilty. So this system was set up whereby they had to go to the priest to ask for forgiveness, who would then offer a prayer to God. But we've just said now that actually this old system is gone. Because we, we have Jesus. So if we go to uh, Luke chapter 11, we can see, we can see how the, if, like, the new system works. <coughs> this again is nipping back to the Lord's Prayer, which I know we looked at uh, last week. But verse 4, it says, And forgive us our sins... For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. But we are instructed to ask for forgiveness of our sins. God wants us to acknowledge when we have done wrong and to ask for forgiveness. None of us are perfect. This is the thing. We're all human. None of us are perfect. But we have to acknowledge when we have done wrong. But... They had to in the days of uh, of, uh, of the days of when Leviticus was written. They had to go to a priest. We don't have to involve anybody else. We don't have to go to somebody to confess and ask for forgiveness. We can do this simply by praying to our Father in heaven through Jesus. That's what we can do. We have that ability that we can now pray, recognize when we've done wrong, and ask for forgiveness. Now, nobody likes to think they've done wrong. Nobody thinks that if I've done wrong, I'll be told off. So it's kind of sort of embedded from us, I think, from, from being a child. But what we know is that when we ask for forgiveness, when we acknowledge that we have done wrong and we ask for forgiveness, we know that God will give us that forgiveness. Now, unfortunately, we'll probably make the same mistakes again and have to keep coming and asking for it again and again. But it's better that than us to spend our lives thinking that we've done right and thinking that we are perfect when actually we're far from it. But God loves us so much he will forgive us our sins and we can ask for that in prayer. Another thing that we can ask for in prayer for ourselves is for help. If we just go carry on down uh, Luke chapter 11, which you should have open in front of you now, Jesus says... And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. So when we ask for forgiveness, we know that God is there to help us. But just go over to the letters to the Philippians in chapter 4, please. And we see that um, there as well. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well, actually, let's go back to verse 4 for connection. That's the beginning of the sentence. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God is there saying that, the, 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 the author here is, is saying that we shouldn't be anxious, we shouldn't worry, but that's easier said than done. But when we need help for whatever we think we need help for, then we must, must turn to God and ask for the help that we, we require. Now, whether we get an answer immediately, we may pray for one thing and we may think, well, God's not answered my prayers. Well, the thing is, is that God will always give us what we need. He won't necessarily give us what we want. And that's the big difference. And so, when we pray um, to, uh, to God, perhaps another suitable thing to ask for is to ask for patience. Um, just turn with me please to Second Peter uh, chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Well actually let's go to verse 8 because uh, uh, to make a bit more sense of it. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is, a is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. There's a, a sort of a, an expression about, about prayer when, somebody, when raised, the question was raised, does God answer prayer? And somebody said there is usually three answers, which is either yes, no, or wait. And it's the third one, uh, which sometimes is the, is the most awkward, because we, we, we want things to happen instantly. So perhaps actually praying for patience. Praying for patience that things will work out. That even though at the moment we may be, we may be uh, suffering, but we know that it's all in God's hand. And sometimes we just have to pray for patience to accept what is happening to us and to move forward knowing that God still loves us and God hasn't, forget, hasn't forgotten us. So those are things that we might pray for for ourselves. Well, what about praying for others? Should we pray for others? Well, well, we should. And we, we see examples of that uh, uh, throughout uh, Scripture of people being asked to pray for other people. So if we just go to 2 Corinthians and chapter 1, this was the, uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote this to uh, the, the Corinthian where he said, uh, he was, uh, this is part, part of a, a longer letter, but in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 8 he says here for we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was made but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God 
who raises the dead. So here Paul is recognising that the things that are happening in his life are part of God's plan to make him realise that actually he's not really that in control of his life, but God is. But he continues, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we must set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on your on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. So we're encouraged to pray for those who are suffering. Paul here is actively saying, pray for us. I mean, Paul suffered an awful, an awful lot through his life, but we're encouraged to pray for those who are suffering. Now, actually, what Paul does here is quite unusual, because usually when people suffer, they often don't ask for people to pray for them. And so I think there's a certain um, emphasis on us that we need to recognise when people are suffering so that we can pray for them. But it's important that one of the things that we do pray for is that we pray for the easing of, the, of those who are suffering. Something else that Paul writes about when he wrote to the Philippians and in chapter 1 is, well, I, I've called it companionship. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will begin it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul is actually praying for his brothers and sisters, those those who are his brothers and sisters in Christ. He is praying for, he's thankful for their companionship. But he's also praying about what is, what is to come, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the day of Jesus Christ, as he, as he puts it here. And that's what Paul preached. Paul went around the Middle East and Eastern Europe preaching the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ was to return. We've said before, he's currently in heaven, he's acting as a mediator for us, but it's God's purpose that he will return. And when he returns, the world will be changed. The new kingdom will be set up, a perfect world. We'll come to that in a moment. But Paul is here praying for all his brothers and sisters, all his fellowship, all his friends. And again, that's something which we can do ourselves. We can pray for people all around the world, wherever they are. 
But Paul, again, not being shy about coming forwards, asked about asked people to pray for him for something else. He asked to, for people to pray to help him with his works. Now, if we go over to Ephesians chapter 6, we see that here. And just back a book to the uh, letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. <coughs> Again, I'm afraid I've come into this sort of halfway through a, a section which begins at, at verse 10. But if we uh, pick it up at verse 18, uh, we see he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is saying to the people that he's writing to, pray for me so that when I, 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 I preach this word, the gospel, that I say the right things, that the right words come out, that more will come to know uh, the, 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 the good news of the kingdom of God and that I will be able to say the right things because I can tell you now as a speaker standing here now quite often not the right words come out at the right time so it's a very good prayer that Paul uh, asks and I think we should pray for all our speakers who stand on the, on the platform because sometimes things sound much better in your head so Paul is asking that the people pray for him and for his works and that, and that, 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 that God will, uh, will, will bless his works and that more people should learn about the kingdom of God. Again, this idea of ceaseless praying, but praying for the work that Paul was doing. So that brings us on to our, our last section. Pray for the world, which you may think is a slightly odd thing. And I just want to go to the psalm that we had uh, read as an introduction, Psalm 122. So this is the, has the subtitle of Song of Ascent of David, so we think it's from uh, King David wrote this. And it says, and in my Bible it's got the heading, Let us go to the house of the Lord. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, to the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. There were thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May thy, may they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Now you may think, well, so far we've been thinking about what we should pray for. Well, we've been praying for ourselves, we've been praying for others. We are now praying for a city. Um, it may sound, it's a slightly odd thing to say, to pray for, but what the psalmist is saying here and what we see throughout scripture is 
Jerusalem is a very important city in God's plan. When the kingdom age comes, when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth, Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. Now at the moment we think of Jerusalem and we think about it's, uh, it's a war-torn city even. Sometimes it has times of relative peace, but it's not a lasting peace because inevitably something will come along and disturb it. It's in the middle of a very volatile part of the, country, of, of the, of the world. And it may seem strange to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In fact, it may seem strange to even think that Jerusalem ever will be at peace. But it will. It will be in this kingdom age. Why should we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Because when Jerusalem is at peace, the kingdom is here. So when we pray, we're not just praying for a city. What we're actually praying for is we're praying for this coming kingdom. What we should also do is pray for the population of the world. Now we've gone to this reference already, but let's just go back to it. We were, we were talking about, uh, last time we looked at this in Second Peter, we were looking at the, the idea of patience and about the fact that God will do everything in his own time. But there's another important aspect to this verse, uh, which we didn't mention. It says in, in 2 Peter chapter 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfil his promises, some count slowness, which we've looked at as patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And what Paul is, also Peter is saying here is that God wants everybody to be in this kingdom. He wants people, he wants to give people the opportunity uh, to have a place in this kingdom. It says there, he's not wishing that any should perish, but that, that they all should reach repentance. And so what this means is, I said earlier, but the fact that we do our own thing. We are very stubborn creatures and we always want to do our own things. But we are told quite clearly in scripture that we have to, first of all, believe what the Bible tells us about this coming kingdom and to repent. This means to change our ways, try and do God's will, not to do our will. And that we then need to be baptised. And from that point on, we, we continue and we try and, and, and live a life as well as we can in accordance to, the, to what's laid down in, in, in Scripture. But it says here that, that God is, seems to be waiting. He wants people to come. He wants friends. He wants family. He wants people that we know. He wants people that are listening to this talk to actually acknowledge and realise actually yes I do have to do something with my life I do have to change my life, I do need to be baptised because I do want to share in this glorious kingdom so perhaps we pray for the population of the world and something else and again we are going back to the Lord's Prayer here but I think that this is I suppose really the most important thing if we go back to Luke uh, chapter 11 Luke chapter 11. It's the opening line of the Lord's Prayer, but people just so often reel this out parrot fashion and don't actually think what they, what's being said. 
our Father which art in heaven. We're already established. God is our Father who is in heaven and Christ is our mediator. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's what we should be praying for. We should be praying that his kingdom comes. Thy will be done. And again, it's God's will. It's not our will. That's what we need to be praying for. As in heaven, so in earth. So we are praying for a time when the earth will be transformed. The kingdom of God will be here on the earth. We know from reading our scriptures, we know that Jesus is returning to set up his father's kingdom. We know from reading those verses in Peter, he wants everyone to be in it. He knows that if we have to do that, if we want to do that, then we have to go through that important process. We have to believe, we have to understand, we have to try and change, his, change our ways, to try and do his will, not our will. We need to be baptised, which is simply an immersion in water, which is symbolic of our washing away our sins, and then we start our path. What we've also seen is that as we are walking on that path, if we fail, and we will, we're all human, we will all make mistakes, we will all do things that we didn't want to do, we will all do things that are displeasing to God. If we can examine ourselves and recognise those, we can go to God through Jesus in prayer and ask for forgiveness. And then we will be forgiven and we will start the process again. And we will continue doing that for the rest of our lives or until Christ returns and if we die before Christ returns we know that we'll be raised from the dead and then we will if it be uh, his will if it be uh, God's will we, we may be granted a place in that kingdom so that is the process that is what God has laid out for us in his scriptures I suppose the big question we have to ask though is, are we willing to take on the challenge? And if we have taken on the challenge, then really we need to pray for others, for ourselves, but most importantly, for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the setting up of the kingdom of God here on earth. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.